War. War never changes. Except the console war. That one's actually changed quite a bit. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we talk about the next generation of consoles. The PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X. Which of these is the best choice? The answer depends on you. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Jason Shire. And we are here once again for another episode of Triple Click. We sure are. Here we are. It's nice to see both of you. It is nice to see you both, too. And did you know that it is Max Fun? Drive. I did know. I didn't know that, Jason. What? I you had no idea. Know? What? No, no one told me. What? I I need to know more about this. What is this Max Fun Drive that you're talking about, <laughs> Jason Schreier? Please tell me. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. It's already blown. You're just gonna blow it so further. It is Max Fun Drive, which means that this lovely network that Triple Click is hosted on, that mm-hmm. we are a part of, uh, mm-hmm. is doing a fundraising drive, and it's really cool because that's how we make money, and that is how. How Kirk gets fed, and uh, that is how <laughs> yes. we're able to say keep doing this show. Um, so we're stoked about it, and yeah, we're very thankful to everybody out there who's been supporting the show and signing up to be Max Fund members mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me go over a couple of quick things that you get if you become a member. First of all, you get our bonus content, which has meant monthly beans casts, aka spoiler casts, for a variety of things that we like. Um, including July's, which just went up, which is a Beanscast about The Last of Us Part Two, where we That's talk right. about that. Which actually was a game that we were kind of more critical of, so they're not all of things that we like necessarily. <laughs> Correct. We had well, some criticisms of that game, but in general, yes. Worthy games, to use Kirk's yes. term. Worthy yes. games. Worthy games. Yeah, um, are we, can we announce our August one yet? No, let's announce yet? it next time. We'll announce okay, it. Okay, we're going to announce our August one next time. We're figuring week. out really what it's going to be, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. It'll be a little different. It's going to be cool. Um, and then if you if you subscribe, if you become a member at like $10 a month, you get some sweet pins. So you mm-hmm. can get some sweet triple-click pins that are, are really cool. These like gold controllers are super cool. And yeah, you can get all sorts of bonus stuff. So go sign up. Please do. And then before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to our old friends because Deadspin is back nearly yes. a year after it imploded. So um, <laughs> just a little bit of history for all you out there who might not know. In uh, October of last year, uh, the staff of Deadspin all quit in protest of Jim Spanfeller and Geomedia kind of interfering with their editorial independence in a way that was not cool. Mm-hmm. Should we say that's the place we used to work for the for the listener who oh, yeah, on the place. board? I thought we that all was kind three of used to work at Kotaku, which was Correct. also part of Geomedia. Though I actually never worked for Geomedia, except as a freelancer, but I was never it's on true. staff. Kirk true. managed to get out before mm-hmm. all of that happened. I feel good about Jason that. Jason and I did not. <laughs> we worked there when the Deadspin walkout unfolded. Yes. But we are, for reasons that may or may not be related, none of us are there anymore. (laughs) Um, And uh, our old friends at Deadspin have just started, or our old former Deadspin friends have just started a brand new website called Defector. And what's cool about Defector is not just that it's a spiritual successor to Deadspin, but that they're launching it as like a worker co-op. So everybody who's a writer for the site, all 18 of them, each mm-hmm. owns a part of the company. And they're doing reader subscriptions, so you can sign up. I'm going to sign up as soon as I get a chance. Maddie already has signed up. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, it's all just super cool to see. And I'm very yeah, I'm excited, so excited to have Deadspin Blogs <laughs> back because there's just been nothing like it. Like in the past year, there's really been nothing. I'm a big fan of the Ringer for sports content and stuff, mm-hmm. but like there's really been there's nothing, and that's good in its own way. But like there's nothing like Deadspin used to be. Yeah, I'm just excited to see more worker-owned and just artist-owned that's co-ops cool. out there in the world. So yes. if that's something that you're about, and you're a Max Fun listener, so you're probably about yeah, it. Yeah, sort of like consider, us. <laughs> consider supporting these things. Yes, yes, yes. There's yes. a cool New York Times article about this with more info, and one of the things that I liked is that they can vote out the editor-in-chief at any <laughs> point, <laughs> like the staff can, which it is uh, kind of changes the way that things might work at a, uh, at a media outlet. And I, I enjoy that in a good way. I would say. Oh yes, oh, everyone yes. should be able to vote out their boss. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the future is now, point. and sometimes mm-hmm. the future's not that bad. So hey, let's get to it, shall we? Today we are doing a hot topic. Hot topic. Hot, hot topic. topic. This is a hot topic that many of you have wanted us to talk about for a while because it's very newsy. Mm-hmm. This fall, Kirk, Maddie, did you know? That we're getting new consoles? Oh my god. Wow. Wow. First you tell me about Max Fun Drive, and now you're telling me there's new consoles coming. Holy crap, what? new consoles. Jeez, this is wild. So, for the first oh. time since 2013, we are entering a new generation of PlayStation and Long Xbox time. consoles, which is very exciting. The excitement is diminished a little bit by this whole coronavirus <laughs> pandemic that is ruining all of our yeah, lives. Yeah, but what isn't that true of? <laughs> yeah, and devastating well. everything. But still, it's something to be excited about. Um, we've already seen a bunch of new games. Sony had a big thing that we talked about in June. Microsoft just had a big thing last week that we will talk about today. And... Um, yeah, it's it's exciting times all around. I mean, first of all, before we even get into the question of the console wars, I'm curious to like gauge the temperature from you guys. Um, how excited are you? And Kirk, you can go first. How excited are you <laughs> two about the this idea of a new console generation? Um, wow, I get to go first. I am, <laughs> you know, I'm plenty excited. I think that at this point, uh, new game systems beget new games, and that's cool. I think, you know a lot of people are not necessarily going to be ultra psyched about immediately jumping on board. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. because I'm probably like one of the last people to really need a new gaming console right now, just because I have so many video game systems and I have a really good gaming PC and I have so many things to play and I don't actually feel a burning need to buy a new one. But I bet there are a lot of people who have kind of wanted a new console for a while but are waiting. Like, I think there's a lot of different types of people and I actually kind of want to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the, yeah. dif- the different kind of person who might want each of these consoles. And I think it's really cool the variety that these consoles represent and how many different people will have something that they can get excited about. But yeah, I'm, I'm always excited for new gaming shit. But you you, but you personally, you're kind of like lukewarm. It's not, it's not it though. It's like I, I, if you're specifically talking about like, am I going to buy one of these consoles? I'm not really sure. I, I haven't seen a super compelling reason to yet. But there's so much information I don't have. But I'm very excited about the consoles. Absolutely. Like I think they'll make a lot of things possible. And I mean, seven years of increased processing power. That's a long ass time for mm-hmm. things to be much more powerful and able to make much cooler games. So yeah, no, I'm totally excited. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into the hardware like innovations and differences in a sec. But Maddie, I, w- I want to hear your thoughts too. Sure. So I talked about this a little bit when we went over the PlayStation reveal event where we were talking about all the games that were announced. But 
to me, it's just so comforting to have gaming news that feels regular <laughs> because everything feels really bad at all times right now for a whole lot of reasons. That does impact the new console release cycle for in some pretty obvious ways. The supply chain is going to be weird and different. And as a person who works in media, I care about covering all that stuff, and that's fascinating to me. But it's also exciting to me to just get to cover and get to see what's happening with the new consoles anyway. It's like exciting in a comforting way because I'm just like, it's cool. It's cool to see new shit coming out and it's cool to see game trailers. I love trailers. I'm a gamer. <laughs> I love watching video game trailers more than anything else in the world. Got a gamer so chair. I love it. I love trailers. So I'm pumped about it, honestly. Yeah, Maddie, this is your first time working for a game site for a That's console true. release, right? That is true. I think I was Phoenix still at the Boston... Mm, no, the Phoenix had just gone out of business right before uh, the next, mm. the console launch, was, which was a strange time in my life. I think I was freelancing in a bunch of different places. I definitely wasn't senior games editor at a major publication. <laughs> you were not. I wasn't, I wasn't planning all of our coverage for said new consoles, which is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's exciting. It's exciting times, and and um, it's always fun to like get your hands on the thing and be like, oh, look yeah. at all these crazy features. I remember when we were covering it for Kotaku back in the day, we yeah. kind of like our standards for what news were were like lowered a little bit when it came to consoles because they were just so exciting. So it would be like, look, this is the power button. Look at like, this is the way that the <laughs> operating system works because it mm-hmm. was like, you hadn't seen it before and we were going to be stuck with this stuff for the next seven years. So. I mean, I think that's valid. Like people, genuinely didn't know where the power button was on the ps4 because it's like well that's yeah that's all another thing. completely invisible <laughs> like that was a news item that needed to be covered okay i'm not yeah. gonna mock <laughs> old school game publications for covering the power button can i tell you both that i um very rarely need to use the optical drive on my ps4 and i need to get a flashlight to look for the button the eject button still like on the ps4 pro it how often do you even need to use that exactly the power one I, I think the power one is the bottom one, right? I don't know. I'd have to go in the other room and look. I, I, I guess. I always I just know. guess. I'm like, I'm going to hold this down and see what happens. So anyways, yeah. it's still a relevant question to answer <laughs> for is. viewers is the point. <laughs> it is. I bet the one on the PS5 is more visible because mm-hmm. I'm sure they've gotten that feedback a lot. They should all be like the Xbox 360 power button, just a huge button. You know what? That was a satisfying button. I actually dug that button. It was. I like that button. I know. That's why I'm serious. But it was also the button where the red ring would appear. So It, it was sure like, was. That was my second thought was it was a cursed button yeah right. it was a little cursed but a good button fundamentally a good that, cursed button yes it yes, um, was then cursed so yeah i'm of two minds i'm kind of where you are kirk in that it's always very exciting to have a new generation of consoles but uh, having a high-powered gaming pc just makes the whole idea of a new console just kind of worthless for me mm-hmm. um but i am excited for the or different at least yeah, yeah, different, right. Sure, different. But I, I don't see a reason to buy one at launch, that's for sure. So the the PS5, I imagine that a lot of those games I will be able to play on my PS4. We'll get to that in a sec. And the Xbox Series X, we already know that all those games are going to come to PC. So I'll just be able to play those on my PC. But still, mm-hmm. this idea is very exciting. So yeah, let's zoom out and talk about what all these guys are doing and then kind of compare them. First of all, Nintendo. So Nintendo has just become one big question mark for the rest of this year, at least officially. Yeah. Unofficially, we know that they've got uh, Super 
Mario game collection up their sleeves and probably some other stuff for this fall. But officially, they have not said anything about what they're doing this fall. But one thing we know for sure, they have confirmed 100% certainty that they are not launching a console. So we will take them out of this equation for now. Let's start with Xbox, because Xbox just had their big launch event, and they have a pretty interesting strategy that kind of runs in, it's very, very different from Sony's strategy, yeah. this console generation. So Xbox had their big event, um, they announced uh, a new Fable, I guess that was the highlight, they showed some mm-hmm. gameplay of Halo Infinite that has become the subject of memes all across the internet, <laughs> um, they announced Avowed, a new Obsidian game that looks pretty cool, they announced a new Forza, a bunch of Stalker other random two. stuff. Yep, State of Decay Some 3. other indie games. A bunch of other random stuff. Um, but one of the big catches, as I touched upon earlier, is that none of these games are actually exclusive. Microsoft doesn't seem to really care whether or not you will buy an Xbox Series X this that fall. That is right. And they have said, Phil wild. Spencer has come out and said, all of our games for the first couple of years will be on Xbox One in addition to Series X. And they've also said that all their games will be on PC. Now, Maddie, it seems like you are skeptical that their games will actually be on Xbox One, despite them saying this. Because Xbox has said, what they've said, what Phil Spencer has said is that all the games they are publishing and releasing right. are going to be Xbox One. So any game, Xbox Game Studios game, you mean, exactly. is going to be on the Xbox One. That's yes, right. For the for, for the next couple of years. But anybody else who's publishing on the Xbox Series X doesn't have to do that. Correct. Correct. And there's also still some points of contention about games that you'd think would be on the Xbox One. So like Avowed and As Dusk Falls, I believe, were a couple of games that originally were listed as being on the Xbox One as well. And then those listings mysteriously disappeared. I believe Kotaku covered those. Yeah, that's because they're more than two years out. Those games are forever from now. I mean, who knows? And so it's, it's just become something that fans have been arguing on the internet about all week long. About whether or not Phil Spencer is going to keep his promise of not forcing gamers to upgrade to the Series X right away or whether you could just kind of hold on to the Xbox One for a while and be just fine. Well, that's an interesting question. It'll be interesting to see there. But I think that the idea of them having exclusive games is regardless is is just nil because of the PC component because they're putting everything on PC no matter what. And so that itself just like creates an option for you. It's it's much better for the average gamer than the PlayStation approach of like every you have to buy our console to play our games because now you have this flexibility. If you want to go and spend five hundred bucks on an Xbox Series X, you can do that and get a sweet console, or you can spend that money on a PC and get a whole bunch of games that you wouldn't be able to get on Xbox because PC has such a humongous library and such a back catalog. So mm-hmm. it gives you a few different options there, but it doesn't really. Make make a compelling case to actually go and buy a Series X this fall if you want to have if you already have a PC or if you want to explore other options. Well, those are pretty big ifs though, right? If you right. already have a PC, it doesn't make a compelling right. case, but a lot of people don't have PCs. So the idea yes. it seems to me is it's a great console for people in this certain world that want that kind of console and the thing that you haven't mentioned yet that I know I'm guessing you're getting to is the Xbox Game Pass, which seems mm. to be the centerpiece of Microsoft's whole strategy here. Now, I'm not the first person to make this observation. Chris Plant at Polygon wrote a great piece about this. There's also this great GI Biz, a gamesindustry.biz article by Christopher Dring that's basically, his premise is just, what if the console wars weren't a war because everybody is going to win? Mm -hmm. He's making the argument that Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony are all kind of approaching 
approaching the idea of a new console launch or of having a game console so differently that each one can declare victory on their own terms and they're not directly competing. <laughs> and mainly he's making he's making the point that Xbox and Microsoft seem to be pushing the idea of you know, games, Game Pass is like this thing that you can just sign up for. You can get a whole ton of games through it. It's an amazing service. I mean, like so many people that I know use it. Every time I tweet about a game, it seems that people are in the replies saying, oh, yeah, that's on Game Pass right now. Mm-hmm. Just now, it mm-hmm. was Carrion, the game that's going to be my one more thing. Spoilers. And um, <laughs> it's great. And I was like, this game's really good. And a bunch of people were like, oh, yeah, that's on Game Pass. I'm just going to download it and play it, which is really cool. So that seems to be central to Microsoft's approach. Can you explain what this is to people who don't know? What Xbox yeah. Like how it works oh, it's stuff. like you pay a monthly fee. How much is it? $10 a month? $15 a month? So it's $10 a month for Xbox, and then it's been discounted on PC, so it's actually $5 yeah, a month it's five on PC months. recently. So the way yeah. this works is you get all of those big Xbox games that they announced at launch, in addition to a huge yeah. backlog of games, a bunch of indie games. And, you know, we were talking about Outer Wilds. That one was on there. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of games on there. Yeah, That's a really cool system, and it seems like Microsoft is all about promoting that across all of their different platforms you can also stream those games onto phones like they're they're really kind of expanding outward from being in the business of selling xboxes to being in the business of selling subscriptions to xbox game pass Mm -hmm. which is really cool and it always feels to me as though we're criticizing microsoft for not locking down exclusives behind their console almost in a way i see this this tone of voice on the internet as though people are saying Ah, Microsoft, I wish you would compete directly with Sony so that there could be a fight because I want this to be a fight. (laughs) And instead, Microsoft really clearly seems to be saying, we're just not interested. If you have a gaming PC, fine, don't get an Xbox. We just don't care. And so to people like all three of us, all right, fine, there's no reason for us to get an Xbox. But there may be a reason for us to get Xbox Game Pass. There certainly will be a reason to play Microsoft published games because they're publishing all these good games. So Mm -hmm. it just seems really great to me. Their approach makes me like what they're doing. Well, let's let's get into that, actually. Let's get into that question. And by the way, with the Game Pass thing, I tweeted the other day, like, I was like, holy shit, like, all these games they're announcing are going to be, like, you get them at launch on Xbox Game Pass, that's like $60 each one for, like, $10 a month. That's ridiculous. And I tweeted, I think that, like, I can't think of a better deal in gaming. And then I noticed, like, a bunch of Microsoft marketing people retweeting it, and I was like, ooh, uh-oh, I feel like I'm advertising here. And so I deleted the that tweet. That is a kind of an influencer-y tweet. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. a better deal. Hashtag ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I, I wanted to pay a compliment. I wanted to be nice. Also, like, how does that how does that help the developers? Like, I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. Like, what kind of a cut do they get as being part of Game Pass compared to the other income streams that they have? So I was reading about this, and this is something from a Paradox developer, and I don't think it's like super established, but there well, there is this article that we can link in show notes where a Paradox developer was explaining that it actually works differently than, say, Spotify or Netflix and that it's Phew. much more developer friendly. <laughs> like, there is some mixture of, like, an upfront payment and this is, like, it's a good way for developers to make money, at least some types of developers, and uh, that we can link that in show notes. It's, not, like, not something I have expertise in and not a ton mm-hmm. of people talk about it, but it isn't, like, a buy play or buy hours, the way that yeah. Spotify works, because Spotify totally screws over musicians no it's my understanding is that it's actually an upfront fee right. that charge that they get it's an upfront fee that they get um which i think can be kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand it's like great guaranteed money this is awesome i don't have to worry it's stable on the other hand it's like okay so i'll never have a chance of winning the lottery and making the right, next minecraft right. 
because like I'm just getting or that. or you become the next Minecraft, but you're not getting any residuals or any exactly. form of residual exactly. from it, and you're seeing how popular your game is on Game Pass. But right, your game is yeah. downloaded hundreds of millions of times. Though I mean, a game like Carrion, for example, I'm assuming got an upfront fee to be on Xbox Game Pass, but is also on Switch and is also on PC and is being played, you know, and sold separately. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it it can be. It's nobody's really complaining about this. Like it seems like it's helped a lot of developers in a lot of ways. Just yeah. similar to like being part of Xbox Live Gold or like any of those free promos. It always seems to help people more than it hurts. But let's talk about the games for a second because I think it's worth diving into a little bit. We're not going to go game by game through the entire Xbox conference, but I actually came away from that. I don't know, under underwhelmed by what Xbox had to show. I kind of expected them to go all out and be like, look at all these all these studio acquisitions we've been making. Look how they've panned out. We have all this awesome stuff now. And I was just I was just kind of disappointed. It was a lot of CGI, not a ton of gameplay from from most of those games. A lot of games that seem many years distant from now, such as yeah. Avowed and Fable. Halo and Infinite. Wild. I'm not a Halo guy, but like uh, Maddie, you uh. certainly did not <laughs> were not impressed. I'm not that. alone in thinking that either. <laughs> like the memes are out there. People are agreeing with my my me on this, <laughs> and that it doesn't quite look. No, yeah, it looks rough. It looks like the type of game that will get an investigative article a couple of months after it launches. <laughs> okay, preview so- <laughs> for Jason Schreier's work in the future. <laughs> so no, so it's it's it doesn't feel. And like I came away from the Sony event a lot more impressed than I came away from the Microsoft event in terms of actual games. In terms of overall console strategy, I'm way more impressed by Microsoft and way happier. Like, Microsoft's strategy is very much, like, like customer-friendly, gamer-friendly, as opposed to Sony's, which is, like, locking things down behind exclusives, paying Bethesda to lock death loops behind PlayStation right. and not, not allow Xbox players to have it for a while. It's, yeah, just shitty business practices. But the, the software, like, Microsoft d- has not I don't think they've gotten there yet. What do you guys think of that of that lineup? Um, I have go ahead. Well, I guess I just wanted to say I feel like you answered your own question in a way because I think the reason why Microsoft showed such an underwhelming show is because it's not really about showing a big splashy show that's going to sell a console for them. Like they could just be bullshitting all of us, but, but it was. I mean, that's what it was trying to do. Also, I don't know if it was. Right. I think they genuinely care more about their subscriber base and the longevity of Microsoft. Microsoft as a brand across all the platforms we've listed than they do about Xbox Series yeah, X. Yeah, if you look at like the tweets from the the Microsoft executives and their messaging and look like, at the yeah, tweets, I mean, Maddie. I, look I'm at the tweets. I'm not saying they don't care at all. I'm just saying it's not it's not like Sony. Well, their whole thing is like play all these games, all of Microsoft's amazing Xbox game studios on the most powerful console ever. They're very much all in on this thing. I mean, if- you're not wrong, but I also feel like Sony is in a much more precarious position here because they are banking everything on this like old school classic exclusive console launch strategy which is like they have to wow us with these flashy exclusives because that is what they're banking on they don't have the equivalent of you can also just play these on your high-powered pc and we also don't give a shit if you do that we truly don't even care which is the angle microsoft is taking are they lying and fronting and they really wish we'd buy the series x perhaps but they're they're as part of their marketing strategy acting like it's super chill whereas playstation has to be like no miles morales get ready for that shit it's only gonna be on playstation okay but but intentions aside the microsoft conference i'm curious to hear what 
what if you guys like were came away from that being like, oh man, like I'm excited about all the first party games Microsoft has in the works because like regardless of what they want to sell. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I agree with you. <laughs> regardless of what, what, no matter what they want to sell, which consoles or services they want to sell, they still have all these software companies that are working on games. So, um, yeah. what were your Kirk? What was your take on the software lineup from from Microsoft show? I think I got the sense that they were, you know, it was just too early for a lot of those games to show, but a lot of them will probably be good. Microsoft has mm-hmm. made some great acquisitions. They have they own all of these studios that made very cool games, and we just didn't see, you know, the games that they're working on. But they're working on the games. Like, Obsidian mm-hmm. is making a new RPG. That game, Everwild, I have no idea what it is, but it looked like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it did look awesome. Yeah, it looked really cool. There's no question that Microsoft is going to be releasing a lot of really cool games onto their subscription service, and it communicated that to me. Mm. I wasn't expecting them to be like, yeah, and if you have a PC, like, fuck the console. Like, of course they're going to be like, and the console is exciting too, you should buy it. But I think that their strategy shows that they're taking a broader approach, and it's just a timing thing. I mean, they shifted, you know, they're a huge ocean liner, and they needed to really shift their direction. So they bought all these studios, they made all these acquisitions over the last few years. It takes a while to make video games, and it would appear that those studios are just not quite ready to show those games. So it's still a little bit of a promise right now, but it's a very promising strategy, so if they're going to make promises based on it, I'm I'm listening, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. sort of awkward, though, because Halo Infinite is coming right on up as compared to some of the other games we saw and it just didn't look as good to me as I wanted it to look. Yeah. I agree with you on everything else though. Like I think Everwild and Avowed are going to be really cool in a couple years and I think Microsoft strategy is really good. I just, I, fu- I feel like to me the linchpin was you need a really sick Halo Infinite trailer and that is what I was expecting and it's not what I got. So I think, yeah, to move us along a little bit to Sony, um, mm-hmm. I think that they were missing the Horizon Zero Dawn 2 trailer, like or whatever right. that's called, Horizon the Forbidden West. Like I think that that kind of thing is usually what you expect at this kind of conference, because this kind of conference has traditionally been about showing you the amazing looking exclusive game, and Microsoft just isn't taking that approach anymore, so they kind of can't craft that kind of a conference anymore. Like, they need to show you a game, a Halo game, that's going to run on Xbox One, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so it's just not going to look the way that Horizon Forbidden West looked, like, just like a ridiculous looking thing. And, you know, like, that's that's just their strategy. It makes it impossible to make that kind of an event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, well, so the Sony strategy, I think, I mean, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my con- my prediction earlier this year that the PlayStation 5 will outsell the Xbox Series X this fall <laughs> because I feel like Sony's strategy seems a lot more designed to get you to buy a PS5 this fall. And I think as of right now, we don't know 100% what the launch lineups are going to look like, but if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, which if you had to pick one launch console to buy this fall, and in real life I probably won't get either of them for a while unless like I have to review them or something, but but I would go with the PS5 because I would have stuff to play on it, like uh, Spider-Man, for example, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, and uh, it just seems like it would be a better option than the Xbox Series X for this fall, um, especially because I could combine that with my PC and then just play everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Sony strategy, as much as I'm like attacking it for being restrictive and and anti-customer or whatever, it's it works, I suppose. Yeah. Exclusives are what sell consoles. The trick works. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. works. I think it works on people like us. It works on people who play every single video game and like have every game console. But I think there are a lot of people who Microsoft's strategy will be very appealing to. Like... Mm. 
I, it's expensive as hell to buy a PS5. I'm not buying a PS5. Like, right. And because you have to buy a PS5, you have to buy whatever games you're getting. Each of those games is very mm-hmm. expensive. You have to buy under buttons for your controller. You do. That's true. You have to <laughs> yeah, buy those extra. With the Xbox, you really can get just the console. And you can just get a subscription service and like play whatever games you want. And you, as Phil Spencer says, you already have the library. Like That's the whole point you of so how it You have so many games. I think that there's a type of gamer who absolutely will find that much more appealing especially if you have like a family and a budget and you know you can't spend like literal thousands of dollars on video games every year the way that hardcore enthusiasts and professionals yeah it's not just that i think xbox also has like a one of those plans like a leasing plan or whatever where you can get like a two-year like 30 dollar a month thing one of those schemes like a car yeah exactly (laughs) and you'll get the console and then also xbox game Pass. so bearing in mind that we're on the midst of a historic economic meltdown in our country there's insecurity for everybody so many people are worried about money dropping Mm -hmm. that much money on a video game console seems crazy even if you have savings like it's a ton of money I mean that's part of why I feel like Microsoft is at such a huge advantage intentionally or not it's almost like they were preparing for this crisis without (laughs) intending to for the past several years they knew are you saying that they caused am I saying Phil Spencer released COVID-19 I'm not saying that people can draw their own conclusion but (laughs) but for real though I think they just so happen to be in a a very competitive position and this is something that they've been planning for many years. It's not like they had to pivot suddenly because they were like, oh, people aren't going to want to buy a physical console this year because no one has any money or jobs. Mm-hmm. It's just that they happen to be selling a really competitive subscription service right now. And if you've got a computer that can play a video game, great. You probably need something to do. But yeah, I can't I can't picture who buys a PS5. I'm not sure who that person is other than the hardcore enthusiast that Kirk described. Well, the hardcore Sony fan or the Spider-Man fan, even though right? I would bet you both my arms and my legs that Spider-Man Miles Morales comes to PS4 this fall also. Yeah. That was my yeah. feeling the minute I saw it. was like, this, mm-hmm. cause surely this is going to be on PS4. Yeah, because there's no way that they're going to restrict it. But regardless, I think that, I mean, ultimately, I know a lot of people out there are probably wondering, like, which should I buy? Which should I invest in if I'm just going to buy one console this fall? And I think the answer, as someone who vividly remembers the last console launch, the answer is neither of them. Like, there's really, (laughs) you gotta wait. A, because things will be cheaper. Until basically a game comes out that you know is fabulous right, and requires that, you know that you console. Have have. Is yeah. Which has actually yeah. always been the answer to this question uh-huh. for however, yeah, right. like for so but, long. Until there's a video game that you need that console to play that you really like. Don't get it. And then mm-hmm. the other the other part of this equation is that if you just like take that money and go on Newegg and do like a PC part picker thing, you could probably <laughs> find a pretty good gaming PC for that same. But then money. you can only play Xbox games on there. So Well, know. and all all the PC games. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. That's Which true. now is about to include Horizon Zero Dawn, so soon enough I'm sure it'll be like all Sony games also will be on PC. So Yeah. Ultimately, I'm I'm very much in favor of like open garden platforms. You get a PC, mm-hmm. you can get anything, you can get emulators, you can hack it, whatever. You can do all sorts of shit on your on your computer that you can't do on a console. So we're recommending being a PC gamer in terms I of the console that's, wars. That's the way to go. <laughs> Cool, okay. That's my I was going to say, I think people should get a Nintendo Switch. It's a yeah, great the console. Switch is a good one. I actually, yeah. I just recommended uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild to like one Ugh. of my friends who isn't a big gamer at all and like mm-hmm. has bounced off every game he's tried in the past couple of years. And he, he's been texting me every day being like, I just hit 100 hours. Like, I've Aww. never played a game this good. Like, holy That's shit. Great. Yeah, it's the Breath of the Wild is just one of those games. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about Nintendo much here just because... 
they're not releasing a new console, but they have certainly carved out a very neat spot for themselves as the other console that you own in addition to like a PC or a gaming thing. Like right. they, the supplement. Yeah, and they're like selling out switches everywhere as yeah, we speak. So like to say they're not one. competing in the console war, like they aren't technically, but they're also already winning in their own right. Because they don't need to. Because it goes back to this thesis that like everybody they can each win the war on their own terms, especially Nintendo. Yeah, mm-hmm. three different battles that each of the companies are, are, are fighting in. Um, yeah, I do think if I had to make another prediction, it would be that like the, the whole PlayStation exclusive thing kind of fizzles out over the next couple of years as Sony realizes that it would be smarter to just like become a, a plot, more platform agnostic and just allow like more, put more of your games on PC, put more of your games wherever. Yeah, I mean, they can't hate the money they're making from Death Stranding and Horizon or that they'll yeah. probably make from Horizon. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure Horizon is going to like yeah. make them buttloads on PC. Yeah. And it's it's a good a good test bed there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still don't know a lot about these things. Most pivotally, we still don't know the price. So like any of this conversation is always going to be premature when you don't know the pro- yeah. price. But we don't know the launch lineups other than a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know what the next year is going to look like. We don't even know what this fall's like big third party party games are. The new Call of Duty hasn't even been announced yet. We don't know anything. <laughs> what? Not anything could happen. And that's going to be a game changer. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. There's going to be Black Ops and Cold Wars. Did you Black guys see Ops, that, that the game? game's name got announced uh, or leaked via Doritos bag. Like a mm-hmm. Doritos bag came out that said Call of Duty I, Black Ops Cold War. Perfect. I um, love that actually. That almost great. maybe was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so to kind of put a pin on this conversation it is we still don't know enough. Um, we are interested by what we've seen so far but like we don't have all the info yet um, and in general buying a console on launch is probably a bad idea. All right, why don't we take a break, and then we will be back with one more thing. Hey, guys. So as you all have heard by now, it is Max Fun Drive. What? I haven't heard that. What? No one tells me anything. I didn't know it was Max. What is this? What is Um, what? We are fundraising. Thank you, all of you out there who have put in your hard-earned cash and help support the show because we would not be able to make this happen without you all. Um, That's true. And uh, big thanks to everybody who supported our stream last week, last Friday. <laughs> yeah. Night, yes. played Destiny 2. It was a lot of fun. We were on there for three hours. We were answering people's questions. We were um, messing around in Destiny. We were having all sorts of fun trying to do Whisper of the Worm, which <laughs> is a mess, which is what a disaster of a mission. Um, and Incredible. I certainly want to do it again. Do you guys want to do again sometime soon oh yeah absolutely absolutely so keep an eye out the stream our stream channel is twitch.tv slash triple click pod um and um yeah thanks big thanks to everybody out there who's just supporting the drive and helping us make this show awesome and if you want to support us you can go to maximumfun.org slash join that is the url to find out more about becoming a member and if you can't become a member that's cool too I've seen a lot of people spreading the word. Some people sharing around that Final Fantasy VII music episode, yes. which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, a wonderful And so one. tell people about the show, too. There are so many ways that you can help us that are non-financial, since, of course, it is, uh, it is pretty uncertain times for a lot of people. But thank mm-hmm. you so much to everybody who has signed up to become a member. That's really cool. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, it is time once again for one more thing where we each pick one more thing to discuss. Um, I am going to go first because this is a game that a lot of people have been wondering whether or not we will talk about. I have been playing Ghost of Tsushima 
which I actually did not think I would I would get, but on a whim just bought it after I think it was the weekend it came out, and I was just like, man, I'm reading all Why these not? reviews, seeing people talk about this collectathon, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. looks fun, and I'm glad I did because I'm actually really enjoying it. Nice. Um, cool. So Ghost of Tsushima, to people who aren't familiar, is a samurai game. I think it's best described as like an original style Assassin's Creed set in feudal Japan as a samurai. Because it's very, mm-hmm. very much like those old Assassin's Creed games. There's a lot of going around and taking outposts and assassinating dudes as you do. And... Um, and escorting people or like tailing people and getting booted if you escort if you leave the the mission perimeter for more than a few seconds and <laughs> mm-hmm. all cool. that delicious stuff hiding in tall grass um although there's no jumping off like eagle style into bushes sadly there's no bar- barrels of hay to to, to, to jump into That's there are some beautiful views in that game it does though. look like it's gorgeous incredible incredible art direction and it's not even like the graphical fidelity so it's interesting playing this game after playing the last of us 2 because last of us 2 is like the most highest production values most beautiful like vistas of seattle and and high, most polygons ever in a game um but ghost of <laughs> Tsushima is very stylized, so like it, it might not hit those same like heights of production values as Last of Us 2, but it's got so many pretty colors and animals and just like beautiful uh, sunsets and Japanese villages and just a lot of cool stuff. Um, and I'm really enjoying just like running nice. around and stabbing dudes, and the combat is really fun. Um, I keep having this this weird thing that I hinted at a little bit last week, um, where like I'm I'm having all this uh, fun like sneaking around and stabbing dudes and then thinking to myself i'm just like killing people <laughs> the last of us too it's ruined you mm, for interesting for violence it's the video game experience is just like getting such a kick out of like stabbing someone in the neck with your like little <laughs> samurai sword um <laughs> And then the, there's a lot of emphasis on the the um, one-on-one combat, not just sneaking around, because you can sneaking around. And actually, the whole story, a lot of a large part of the story is about your main character Jin, um, like trying to deal with the fact that he has to put aside his honor and sneak around in order to take out all these Mongols who are invading the island. And so, like a lot of it is him reckoning or recon- trying to reconcile the fact that he has to do these things like throw smoke bombs and sneak up on dudes from behind with his honor and his training that he got like as a samurai of like always mm. wanting to challenge people in front of front combat like you never stab someone in the back but anyway that's right. that's a whole part of the story but um but yeah you're you're going around and you do a lot of actual fighting one-on-one fighting or one-on-fifteen fighting and the combat system is really fun there's a lot of cool stuff you can do a lot of parrying and special moves you can get over time and you have these stances each stance that you you can pick one of four different stances and each one is most effective against a certain type of enemy like dudes with spears or dudes with shields or whatever and yeah there's a lot to think about it can be really hard i'm playing it on hard so it's nice and challenging and it's really cool and kirk one of my favorite things about this game that you would love is the ui because there is no ui it's like basically a ui free game Um, lovely and there's no mini maps (laughs) no waypoints uh, the way that you get from destin- from location to location is by you go to your map and you select um, some place you want to go to, whether it's like a quest icon or like you want to go find something, whatever, and the wind will take you there and you swipe up on your, your PS4 touchpad thing and a gust of wind will send you in the direction that you want to mm, go. That's really, it's really, that's really cool. nice. 
Um, and it works really well in practice. I was a little skeptical going into it, but it works really well. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying this game. It's a little nice. janky, especially after The Last of Us, where it's like super high polished animations, mm-hmm. and here it's kind of like nice looking animations, but like compared to The Last of Us too, it's it's not quite the same. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it. Really nice. enjoying this game. Cool. I'm glad to hear that this UI pattern. This is a this is a PS4 game. We should say this is another yes. PS4 exclusive. It is a PS4 exclusive. It is made by Sucker Bunch, who made the infamous mm-hmm. games. And, and Sly Cooper can't forget Sly, Sly Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like The Last of Us, Horizon, and now this. All those mm-hmm. Sony PS4 third-person games don't have a mini map, and I'm on board with there not being <laughs> mini maps in games. Nice. Um, okay, cool. So, Maddie, what is your one more? Thing? Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about a news item that happened, Ooh. which is. It's being nicknamed the Giga Leak, but that is a nonsense phrase that I will instead <laughs> describe as a huge leak of a bunch of Nintendo source code files, information about old Nintendo games. And there's not a lot that people know about how this happened. Patrick Klepek did a really good story at Vice where he talked to some folks about how it may have happened um, and the people who are suspected to have done the hack of Nintendo's uh, files that led to this leak, although it's, it's, not, it's not confirmed. But basically it's resulted in a ton of memes online where people are sharing like Yoshi's original design, for example, mm-hmm. like he used to be a really long, adorable velociraptor as opposed to the short and squat, adorable velociraptor. So the leaks are from like old Super Nintendo and N64 games. Oh, super, super old, like Super Mario Kart, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, like Yoshi's Island, like we're talking like OG Nintendo games. And uh, like there's a canceled Zelda 2 remake in there and like Star Fox files. So it's all st- Stuff that never actually made it like into games. It never saw, yeah, never was in the games. So it's like original ideas, like the Yoshi one. Like Yoshi is not a long velociraptor in the games. He is the Yoshi <laughs> that we know and love. But like because the, of this leak, we're seeing things that were never supposed to see the light of day. But which brings me to my final point, which is I have mixed feelings. Everyone has mixed feelings about this leak because it is not something that the artists who worked on these things ever wanted to be made public and I just I don't know I feel really weird about it and there have been some interesting points made by preservationists about what the leak will mean for them because obviously any video game preservationist would want a company that's even as secretive secretive as Nintendo to release this type of information just because it's interesting and it's cool to know about but they would never do something like that and in theory the contents of this leak should be preserved forever and be a historical artifact that people can see but that isn't something that's happening because it was illegally obtained and it just introduces these moral quandaries about leaks of video games and I, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Have you seen some of these leaks? Yeah, I've seen some of them. I saw the one where like Mario slaps Yoshi to make him stick his tongue out. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> the gift that I saw. Um, I read um, I read Patricia's roundup of this on Polygon. Yeah, I had mixed feelings from the very beginning. Only it's like anytime there's a major data breach and newsworthy stuff, like interesting stuff, comes of it that same question comes up of like, okay, but this was obtained in an illegal way and right. the people who own it or control it don't want it to be out here. So how do I don't know how I feel about seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I am sympathetic to that. I, you know, I also just, there's something about unfinished art being out in the world that I just, yeah. even notwithstanding the like pretty clear moral problem of like illegally obtained things, 
I always think about Jeff Buckley's albums, his posthumous albums that came out after he was dead, Sketches for yeah. My Sweetheart the Drunk. And that album has always bummed me out because it's not this perfect album. Like, it graces mm-hmm. this really shined, perfected album that he worked on so long, and they released it, and it was this whole thing. It's like a masterpiece. And now we're listening to stuff that he just, he died before he could finish it. And he's not around to say whether or not, you know, he wanted that to be in the world, or wanted me to be hearing it, so I actually don't like listening to it. And it's different, you know, it's an artist who died, it's one mm-hmm. person, but it, it's there are some similar things there, I think, and it raises similar questions for me. Mm. Yeah, especially since some of the artists have expressed discomfort at the idea of these things being leaked, which is like kind of discomfitting i i don't know i don't feel great about it even though seeing some of these images is fun it's also like well it would have been cool if they had actually been released the normal way except that never would have happened so yeah it's tricky like think about if every kotaku draft that of an article that we wound up spiking was published you know what i mean like but that would be a weird feeling you'd be like oh but it was like 20 years ago 30 years Mm -hmm. ago it's fine you know maybe in 20 years this happens but it's still like yeah i don't know but i decided that would be a real problem if every kotaku draft i know it's it's different in some ways it would be and it's a problem some of this is a problem as well like there's like personal stories in the source codes for some of these games that people are telling about their lives or like swears or jokes that people told some of which are inappropriate but it's like none of this was ever supposed to be seen by anyone yeah Yeah. that's wild well so it's interesting because i think that there's an argument that i sympathize with that companies uh, and especially nintendo is are so secretive about their development processes that it really benefits everybody to have like examples of their iteration and their failures and their unfinished work and all that stuff coming out. Um, One of the most notable parts of this leak has been the confirmation of Luigi and Mario 64, which is one of those long time rumors and legends that has just been wild for all sorts of reasons. And a lot of this is like video game history that has just been buried. And the preservationists are like, like part of the stuff in there, it's so big that it's impossible to really group it into like one conversation because so much of it is what you were talking about, very personal stuff, source code that people did not want to be seen, tools that people did not want to be seen, yada, yada, yada. But then there's parts of it that are like, there are key parts of video game history that we don't actually know because the companies behind games are so secretive and opaque and like Nintendo just keeps so many things to itself and hidden away in its in its vaults that there is a fair argument to be made that like this is beneficial to history um, yeah. and to video game history. Uh, but like who gets to make that decision? I think that the information being I out mean, there... nobody gets to make that decision. Well, like, a hacker it made just, it for Yeah, us. a hacker made that decision. No, that's what but I'm yeah, saying. I'm not that's saying, the- Kirk. Well, the question i mean the interesting moral question is like if you were in possession of this what would you do and i think that that's not that's beyond the scope of what i'm talking about here but i think that there is an argument to be made and i've seen some preservationists make this argument that like this stuff being in the public is does a good does a public service even if it also feels shitty hence the whole mixed feelings part of this but there is a public good here yeah the the question is is there a way to do this that doesn't require you know, violating Nintendo in order to take things that they didn't want to have released. Like, is there a more legitimate way of doing this? Or could this, in fact, be an opportunity to explore that? Like, to talk to these companies more about preservation? No, it'll make them clam up even yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, it'll have, yeah, it'll have the the opposite effect, unfortunately. Like, yeah. even if the hacker behind this wanted to shed more light on these projects, like, out of 
the goodness of, of enjoying it, which I have no idea what their motivations were. That may have been it. it it's going to have the opposite effect. Like, I think it will make companies even more reluctant. So then isn't that an argument that this does more harm than good? I would say so. As fun as it is to see some of these files, I think ultimately it, it does harm, which is sad. So it's just overall an interesting piece of news, but one that... I mean, I, the harm that it does, I don't care about the harm of like making companies more opaque than they were already, because they're already super opaque. The harm that I care about is the developers who like are suddenly yeah. 30 years later seeing their unfinished stuff that they may not feel super comfortable with going out to the world, and it's not yeah. their choice. Like It was a choice that was taken from them. That, to me, feels pretty unfair. And I say this to someone who has posted some leaks of stuff that, in ways that I I've regretted in the past for that very reason. But I do think there's an important argument that, like, like the fact that it took us 25 years to know that, hey, there was supposed to be Luigi and Mario 64, and the fact that, like, Nintendo has been so opaque about that history, I think, uh, does a disservice to video game history and development as a whole. And yeah. so that's the public good. So, like, I think there is a public good here, even if the way that it all came out into the open is totally horrible and invasive and, like, should not have happened. Um, the, the net effect does have some positive hmm. results. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's out there now, so I guess we'll just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, <laughs> man. It's quite a story. Kirk. My one more thing is a game called Carrion. It's good. It's a really yeah. good video game. It's pretty straightforward. Maddie, you're also playing this, I gather, from I'm also from playing it. Tweets. I haven't beaten it. Have you beaten it? I have. I know it's not very long. No, it's not super long. It's a great length, and that's one thing I love about it. Um, it is a fabulous game. So, Carrion is made by a Polish game studio called Phobia Game Studio, which is an appropriate name. It's a side-scrolling, retro-looking thing that you can play on PC. You can play it on Switch. I believe the Switch port is really great, though I played it on PC. I got it on Switch. It rules. Okay, so Maddie can attest <laughs> that it's good. Uh, it's also on, I believe it's on Xbox Game Pass, from people on Twitter telling me that they've just been playing it, which is cool. So, there's a lot of ways to play this game, and it's really good, and you should. Um, you, It's basically like a... A prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. It's uh, you play as the monster in a classic horror movie setup where you're some sort of a, you know, and like experiment gone wrong. You're this mass of. You're a flesh mass. Yeah, like a flesh and teeth and tentacles that just so breaks. It's a sequel to Inside. Well, so it's it's very similar to Inside. I was going to draw that comparison. It, um, so you break out of a test tube at the beginning of the game and then start eating people immediately. And you're in this kind of weird government research facility that's full of scientists and guards and people in hazmat suits. And then you just gradually mm-hmm. climb and crawl and slither your way through ducts, grabbing people and chomping them. And eating them and getting bigger and bigger it's and getting so more and more powers. It's so good. It's so good. The music. Um, Talk about the music. Yes, the music is so good. It's by Chris Velasco, who actually did some music for Bloodborne, and he did the music mm-hmm. for Prototype, that video game from a while back, which this game has some in common with. It's a side-scrolling game that looks completely different, but it, it does have this sort of red amorphous like bio monster huh. thing going on where you're bla- like just blasting blood everywhere and like <laughs> eating people just sort of indiscriminately it's funny that's all i remember about prototype is how red it was yeah it was like not a great <laughs> game i didn't play very much of it but um the same composer too though the music is great and it really calls back to those like classic horror movies the movement in this game is unbelievable you move around you just these tentacles shoot out of you in whatever direction you're going and you're mm-hmm. so fast and so deadly you just go crashing around but you can also actually move very slowly and carefully if you want to and just the feeling of crawling into a little like duct underneath a room full of guys you're this huge like horrible like 
just collection of globules with like teeth yeah. going in and out of it that's constantly shifting. It looks kind of like World of Goo. It really reminds me of the physics of World of Goo. And then so much of the tone of this game and the flow of this game remind me of Inside, of Play Dead's Inside, where it kind of just... It builds and builds as you move through this mysterious like building. You learn more kind of about the story, the backstory, but it's all pretty opaque. There's no dialogue. The only words mm-hmm. in the whole game are these occasional like hazard screens that'll come up on little LCD <laughs> screens, but that's it. No one talks. People just are like, ah, when you're eating them, and that's that's basically yeah. it. <laughs> There's so many like scream sound effects. Yes. I mean, part of what I like about the game is the sound design. Like the music is really Incredible. moody, and there's orchestral parts to it as well that make it feel super epic when Mm -hmm. you're doing like wild shit but then there's also like these low moody parts and then like when you run into chains the chain sounds are really satisfying and also people's screams are satisfying which is a sentence that i'm saying i don't know it just all (laughs) fits together to be it just it's a power fantasy game and i it is that's part of why it's hitting the spot for me so much (laughs) maddie it's fun neck stabbing and satisfying screams. that's the thing is this game i think does something really cool which is that it's it lives in this abstract horror movie space where it doesn't feel weird that you're just devouring people and and watching them ripping them apart as they scream because like, you're the monster yeah you're the monster the whole thing makes sense none of them are no one has a personality you're, they're not shouting out names to one another when you're killing them this is like not that at all <laughs> you don't have to press the square button to torture nope. uh, no one of them. and you don't you don't know anything about these people and you never have to no. because they are otherworldly to you like you are right. a being that is in and of itself and they, they created you presumably or well they you kind of you? find out the story as you play so oh you do yeah. Yeah, so the carrion monster, I I mean, maybe it's an experiment gone wrong, but maybe it's also like some type of worm. Like there's some points where Mm -hmm. the the scientists are collecting clues and it suggests that it's some type of worm. Mm -hmm. So it might be like some natural being that just evolved in some way. I mean, the fact that they don't tell you, I think, is fine. Like it's all up to your imagination. It doesn't matter. Right. It's the. It's the inside thing where like it just doesn't matter. You can come up with explanations, yeah. but that's just yeah. not the point of the game. And mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah, the sound design. I like the sound of the tentacles, the like as yeah. you like move around. Yes. It's just this horrible little rope noise. And just man, it's so good. Um I love it to death. I think everyone should play it. And yeah, it's about six hours long. And the ending is great. Mm-hmm. Like it's just good all the way to the end, just like inside, and then it ends and you're like, boom, I'm done. Like, I loved that. Oh, that's pretty oh man. Six hours long is like the perfect yeah, selling point. it's, it's mm-hmm. perfect. It's very, it's very great. good game. So that's Carrion, and that's on every console and on PC as well. And uh, I mm-hmm. loved it. I guess I will say, like, if you don't like gross games or yes. gory games, like, it's not child-friendly at <laughs> no. all. If you don't have a strong stomach, you shouldn't play it. Yeah. Uh, if you if you watched The Thing and you thought to yourself, boy, I'd like to be The Thing in a video game, then here you go. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is for you. The gore is pixelated, <laughs> but there's quite a bit of it. There is, yeah. Um, before we say goodbye, just quick shout out to CrossCode, the game I've been raving about because they actually just released their Switch patch, which fixes right. a lot of the issues I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So if you've been waiting on the Switch version of that game, you can get a patch now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, before we go, one more shout out to the Max Fun Drive. What? 
which is still yes. happening. It is. It's been happening for the past hour. I don't know. It just doesn't end. I know. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, uh, there isn't a ton more to say other than just a big thank you to people who have signed up, boosted, or like up their subscription and are supporting mm-hmm. us. Um, really, even if you don't have a single dollar to give us, that's totally fine. As long as you're listening to the show, go tell all your friends about it. We appreciate every single listener out there. So thank you all. Um, if you do want to subscribe, thank you so much. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash join to sign up and become a member. Get some bonus episodes of the show. Get some pins. Get whatever you want. Um, and on that note, it is time for us to say goodbye. So Kirk, Mario, Maddie. I almost just said, I was going to say adios, and then I said Matteo. Matteo. So, Kirk, Matteo. It's a me, Matteo. It's a me, Matteo. I say that every day when I wake up. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Right. Uh, episode's over, I guess. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Matteo. I'll see you both next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.